everyone, Sarah Brown Wessling here from the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. I'm excited to introduce Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. I was named National Teacher of the Year in 2010, and since then, I've been committed to sharing the stories and elevating the voices of the State Teachers of the Year. It is my hope that this podcast will give you insight into the incredible work they do. In these episodes, the 2020 State Teachers of the Year are navigating responding to two radical changes in our society, the COVID-19 pandemic and the heightened awareness of institutionalized racism. Through this first series, my first lesson of the year, we hope to capture the true essence of the return to school from an educator's perspective. You can join the conversation on social media by using the hashtag, hashtag ntoy20 or visiting us online at ntoy.org. That's N-T-O-Y dot O-R-G. This is Carolyn Fennessy, Press Secretary at the Council of Chief State School Officers. Welcome, Andrea, and thank you for joining me today. Let's jump right in. Could you please introduce yourself? Well, hello, I'm Andrea Johnson. I am a nationally board certified teacher and the 2020 Virginia Teacher of the Year. I teach uh, secondary high school uh, English at Salem High School in Salem, Virginia. Great. Um, so could you tell me about one of your first lessons this year what your students did and, and how you made that happen? Sure, we were instructed, and I think rightly so, uh, by our school division to focus on relationships before academics, that the academics would come, but that now more than ever, relationships are primary. Um, and so there was this sort of desire to jump right into academics to make up for lost time, but the reality was we have to get these kids to buy back into school and to get comfortable with this new routine for all of us. Um, so I spent the first really two weeks working on relationships. Uh, students made um, an about me slideshow. I did as well. I presented mine and then they worked on theirs and they presented theirs. Um, and I've really realized in the past um, six or seven months after Zooming with them in the spring, I've, I've thought more about student privacy and really try to put forward, share as much as you're willing to share because I, this recognition that some of our lives are really difficult and, and we may not want to share lots of pictures. In a way before where I probably would have focused more on compliance, I really am starting to focus on who is the human in there and what are you comfortable with sharing? Um, and so that was one part. And that, that's something I've done before, but I was way more flexible in the level of expectation and what I asked uh, students to share. I was way more, I think, respectful in, in their personal uh, privacy boundaries. And then I did a much more expanded get to know you survey. In the past, it was really kind of, what do you like? What do you dislike? How do you like English? Uh, just real demographic sort of things. And this year, I really focused my survey on how did spring learning go for you? What were you successful at? What did you struggle with? Why did you struggle? What were some um, peaks of learning? Uh, what were some successes? And then what were some of the pits, both from the instructional end and the personal end? Um, so that was a big part of the Get to Know You survey, as well as how are you spending the, your time this year? You know, I've come to realize that more than ever, students are pulled, and especially now. So lots of questions about, are you working? Are you working full time? Are you working part time? Are you doing childcare? 
Do you still have extracurriculars? What do you think your school load is going to look like? Do you have a, a quiet place to do it? Um, so being, I think it's been so eye-opening for me to be much more cognizant. The human in me sees the human in my students as opposed to just being a student sitting there that needs to receive knowledge. Um, and, and I still asked a couple of nosy, what do you like? What do you not like? What's your favorite movie? To get to know them personally, but really trying to understand them in the whole perspective of what's going on in your life besides just school. Because the recognition that school might not be the priority right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that is different than years past in that just an expanded version. It's definitely more expanded. In, the, in, in years past, I would have just focused on the, tell me your favorite story. Tell me your favorite movie. What's the most adventurous thing you've done? And mm -hmm. I asked those questions. But I don't think I really, it's not that I didn't care or know that students had outside lives. I think it's just so much more obvious now that their outside lives are their academic lives. There is no self-containment. There is no way for us to manage their school time. Um, and so I need to be so much more cognizant of what I'm asking when they, when what kids are being asked to do has just just infinitely gotten bigger in the past seven months for some of our students. They become adults. Um, their childhood has ended and, and I have to respect that. Mm -hmm. Do you have a lot of students who are, are working a lot right now? I do. Um, every year I teach about, about half collegiate bound students and about half workforce bound students. And I like that balance of having a true swath of our student population. Um, and I found that I had collegiate bound students working full time in the spring who have continued to work full time. But in particular, my career bound students, some of them have already picked up internships, which are now turned into full pay, full time paid jobs. And so they're trying to manage what they have left of, I, I teach seniors, what they have left of high school for required credits and this full-time job. Some of them because they have to help support their families. Yeah, that's so much to juggle. It is. <laughs> and they're 17 years old. It's, it's a lot. And so I've realized I've got to temper my expectations to see, as I said, to see the whole human and everything that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, were you explicit with them that you wanted to acknowledge their privacy or is that just something that you've kind of kept in the back of your mind? Um, I was explicit with them this year. Sometimes in the back of my mind, I guess in previous years, I would know when kids shared less and I kind of knew why. Um, and then I think if there's been anything good that's come out of the pandemic is that teachers have become so much more empathetic. And I know that's true for me. My empath I was always an empathetic teacher. I was always really in tune with my, how my teacher or my, how my students felt, but to really think through empathy beyond the four walls of my classroom or even the outer walls of the school to what's going on at home and how much does a kid want to portray, I realized, I, I, do I have the right to ask that? So I was specific this year, share as much as you want to or as little as you want to, but share. The purpose of this isn't for me to pry. The purpose is, of this is for me to get you to communicate and to build community. So share as much as you're willing to do with our community. Mm -hmm. And how did they respond to that? 
Um, well, so I still had plenty of students who had tons of pictures to share and we're still super open, um, but I think it eased up the kids who probably this was a very anxiety producing assignment in the past. It let them off the hook to to say, okay, I can share with what I'm comfortable with and I know you're not asking any more than that. So I'm not as nervous as probably kids had been in the past. I, I said that as a norm. Yeah. Right. Meeting them where they are as opposed yes. to yes. pushing them to meet so yes. far. Okay. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. And then are there, um, you said your district has encouraged you to focus on relationships. Besides this, anything else that you're doing to encourage your students' relationship with you or their relationships with one another? Sure. Um, I, my classroom is always one of communication and I really try to focus on student-centered instruction and student voice. What is the percentage of my voice during the course of a period or course of a day and what is the percentage of their voice? And now more than ever, um, I, I find that I've got to ease up on my voice and allow room for theirs because kids have missed each other and they have missed their teachers and they have missed this opportunity to relate to their peers. Um, and that's easier for me to do in the hybrid situation because I do have students who are hybrid so we can kind of reserve the in-school days for class discussions and presentations. It's harder to do for my fully online students. So trying to use programs like Flipgrid where they record themselves and students can watch each other's recordings and they can respond to each other's recordings. So they're still behind a screen and I'm still behind a screen with them, but we can see each other's faces. We can interact with each other, um, trying to purposely build in that time for community in, in every day um, where kids can use their voice. Um, okay. And then um, any sort of more explicitly academic assignments that you have changed or are particularly um, proud of so far this year? Yes, I think I've been on a journey. We even in my school division, we've been on a, a journey of personalized learning and mastery based grading um, as as a place of equity. So we've already been there um, and we've kind of come to the place that the pandemic has been a disruptive event, event for education and we can choose how we respond to this disruption. And we're choosing that this is kind of forcing our hand even more in equity as it should. Um, and so how are we putting a text in hand that reflect our student population? How are we putting students voice first so that they are the center of their own learning? How are we offering choice in assignments? How are we assessing assignments so that we're really, we're really assessing demonstration of skill? and not compliance. Um, so, so we, although we've been on that journey in this disruptive moment we are in now, successful schools are gonna sink or swim based on how they respond to this disruption. And we have to put students first. Antiquated, industrialized ideas of education and everyone must comply and everyone must turn in their work. And this is the assignment and there's no other choice and it has to be done by this day because I'm the teacher and that's what I say. We've got to leave that 
behind. We've had to leave that behind for years, but for especially now, if we can't get kids to buy into their education, um, we're going to lose them. And so we can get them to buy in by putting them first, giving them choice, being flexible in terms of due dates, respecting their human um, space, respecting their humanity, uh, really empowering them to own their learning. And that happens when it is reciprocal in our, our teacher-student relationship. Um. So have they, um, are there any particularly interesting projects they've taken on in your class so far? So we've, we're only three weeks in. And mm -hmm. um, as I was telling you prior to the start of the interview, we had a soft start. So we were at 25% hybrid uh, to begin with. Um, and then we are just now three days into a 50% hybrid. Um, so we've been really trying to um, offer this idea of choice you can do this or that, um, and that is going to be in everything, this prompt or that prompt, this project or that project. But more than anything, I think what is going to be a humbling experience for teachers, but a necessary one, is we've been working on choice we've kind of had down, the flexibility of here's the deadline, we want to teach you to be accountable, but we as teachers are making mistakes as we learn this, so how can we also be flexible with you? And we're finding that there's so many things they have to keep track of. I know this sounds very basic, but teaching high school students how to use a paper and pencil agenda <laughs> has been probably, it's not exciting. <laughs> it's not revolutionary, but it's not something they've had to do because we've time managed them in class in a traditional school. You, when you sit in English, you work on English. And when you sit in math, you work on math. And when you sit in social studies, you work on, so we've done that for them. And then when they get to college, they don't know how to manage their time. Mm. That's, we are finding that we're having to go back and teach basic time management skills. Um, so it's not a project per se, but I keep telling my seniors, you are probably actually going to be better prepared for college than your peers were because you've had to learn how to juggle all of these competing due dates with your personal life and your outside distractions and your job and still get it done on time. That's what college feels like. And you're doing that in high school now. You're going to be so much more successful when you go to your collegiate career and even in your adult career. How do you juggle all of these plates? Um, so we're teaching them that in a way that we haven't had to teach them before. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Managing all of those different responsibilities plus, you know, just a pandemic. Yes. And we, we tend to assume that they are digital natives. So they're just going to figure out all of these new platforms and that they can just use their phone to like click off the digital to-do list and they are digital natives, but that doesn't mean that this is native to them, that this is something they inherently know how to do. Especially, like I said, they've spent 12 years, well, for me, upperclassmen, they've spent 10 or 12 years sitting in blocked hours of time with everything managed for, for them. So um, it, this is new for them in the same way it's new for us. And we've got to all learn accountability, responsibility, but also flexibility and grace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so with all of this um, personalized learning, helping the students with time management, relationship building, um, what are some things you learned about, about 
yourself, about your students, or, or teaching, you know, in this crazy time? I've learned better because I think I already knew it and I was in a school system, as I said, that promoted it. The importance of relationships to learning. We always know that kids do more for teachers that they like. Um, and, and that we saw that in the spring. Um, and we know now that that's one of the reasons hybrid is hard to juggle, but I'm grateful for that opportunity to make relationships because it's going to be infinitely easier to keep them involved in their learning when we have a relationship there. Um, what I've learned is it's really hard to make a relationship from behind a screen and that we have to be creative. Um, and what that looks like is descriptive feedback as opposed to just a grade. Personalized feedback, personalized choice in learning. Um, relationship building online is kind of empowering the student to, to drive their own education. Um, and that's become obvious. You, you can't be a, a must-do teacher and inflexible and keep your online students engaged because it doesn't seem like you care. And you have to seem like you care. Um, it's easier to do in person. It's critical online. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. And um, best of luck to you and your thank students you. for the rest thank of the Thank you so much. So nice to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the first series of Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. It's our honor to elevate the voices of educators across the country and provide them with a national platform to amplify their message and advocate on behalf of their students and colleagues. Please share these lessons on social media with the hashtag NTOY20. That's hashtag N-T-O-Y-2-0. Let's keep the conversation going.